<laughs> Welcome to the Minute Sonship Life again. Here we, here we go. Here we come. Here we are. <laughs> in Christ alone we stand. In Christ alone we stand. Who is your confidence today? Who is your assurance? Who is the solidity of your life? And the answer to a Christian, the answer, the only answer is the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ. So we have a message again. And um, that which I believe today he speaks is a continuation of that which we've been speaking on. And the last two Sundays in particular was about not looking back. Not looking back in remorse, not looking back in despair, not looking back in having missed it, not looking back like it's beyond repair, not giving, not giving up. Because every time we look back in remorse, in despair, in having missed it, we get discouraged. And so today we have to find ourselves again in this forward race of faith, in this forward run, in the press of faith, reckoning the Lord Jesus Christ as our solidity, reckoning the Lord Jesus Christ as our answer, reckoning that the Lord Jesus Christ is our only way out of every situation, every snare, and the sin that so easily ensnares. We're today letting it go. We're letting it go. We're putting it asunder, and we're running unhindered this race of faith, declaring the Lordship, declaring the Lordship of Jesus Christ, the one, the one who stood up amidst the dead and walked out, resurrected the King of glory. And so the title is, for all, for all, not some, for all live to him. For all live to him. Whether you're aware or not aware, for all live to him. Whether aware or not aware, all of us will face him. Where the, the white throne should have not known him, really, to be cast into utter damnation and darkness where there's gnashing of teeth, encountering the very terror of God. There's only one way. It's his way. There's only one life. It's his life. And he is truth. And should we choose not to live in truth, there's a consequence. There's a consequence. And so today... Today, we make choices again to be found in truth, to be found in the way of life, to be found in Jesus. And as a Christian, there is a judgment seat of Christ that we'll come into and give an account for the deeds done in the flesh. And so we all live to him. And all of us, when we come into the earth, Born from coming out of our mommy's wombs, born into this earth, there is an assignment, a calling of God. And we have really, in terms of my lifetime, which is not very long, obviously, in light of the, the, the ages that have gone before me, I've never seen such a massacre of callings on the young ones, on the older ones, a walking away, a departing from truth. But this is not the time to survey that, but it's the time to put your gaze firmly on the one who's called us into a forward race. And we can't look back. What did we read in the book of Luke? In Luke, last couple of Sundays, we looked at Luke chapter 9, verse 62. Jesus speaking about the cost of discipleship. And in 58, he says, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, places of comfort on earth. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. That was the answer to the first one that said, I want to follow you. To the second one that said to him, I want to go after you, but let me first go and bury my father. To that one, Jesus says, let the dead Bury their own dead. But you go and preach the kingdom of God. 
What will this man give an account to God on that day of judgment? I had to go bury my father? Or yes, I preached the kingdom of God as you called me to preach the kingdom of God. You read the word and you tell me what does Jesus say? And we can't say that this has changed because he's the truth. Unchanging is the word of God forever. What about the other one that says, oh, Lord, I'm going to follow you. <laughs> but let me just first go say bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yeah, he said, you go say bye-bye. I say bye-bye to you. To that one, Jesus says in 64, verse 64, no one, no one having put his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. For we all live to him. And so now let's go to, we're still going to be looking towards 19. This is this moment here. I, I often read the accounts of him coming into Jerusalem and what entails thereafter. The triumphant entry. Palm Sunday, like we call it in Christian traditions and religious circles. The triumphant entry into Jerusalem. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna to the highest. What adoration he had from the people. Only within a short few days, what happens? Oh, departing him. The fickleness of man. And I love how often Jesus talks about not entrusting himself to man. And we see him demonstrate because he knows what is in man, this fickleness of the flesh. That when persecution arises, oh, flee. But you see, we all live to God and we'll all give an account to God. Even this morning, I woke up with the sobriety of facing my life again and making a decision. Whom do I follow? Whom do I follow? Emotions? Economy? Circumstance? Family? Or do I follow him? Because it's clear what he spoke in Luke 9. Looking back makes you unfit for the kingdom of God. And that's that longing of the past that we saw the Israelites was they were taken out of the captivity of that hard slave labor of Pharaoh. Hard slave labor. The toil that Satan commands of us to serve him. Who was rescued from Pharaoh in that toil that really took them unto death. Such an intensity that even the straw was removed from them to make those bricks. They had to go find the raw materials and still meet their quarters. Rescued from that slavery, from that darkness and that oppression. Three days in the desert, no water, they're complaining and moaning. What about, let's go, let's go to, actually I was reading this morning as well. In number, let's go to numbers. Let's, let's see what the Lord, how he leads us today. For we all live to him. And you know, in, in, uh, go towards numbers 13. Numbers 13. I want to read Hebrews. 11. The context is, for we all live to him. In, 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 in Hebrews 11, three familiar verse we've read many times over. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed 
by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. And so for us to know God, to understand the order of creation, it doesn't come through the observation, observation of the natural eye. Because you see, that which a natural eye sees is an aftermath of a creation that was not done in the visible to the human eye. And so if we spectate the visible to the human eye, we'll not be walking pleasing to the creator of all creation. For he creates in the invisible, in to be seen only through the eyes of faith. And that's why verse 2 says, By faith we know that the elders obtained a good testimony. Let's see who here out of these 12 spies, who were all leaders of the 12 tribes. These were not just, just, just untrained, not knowing the Torah, not knowing the God of Israel. The 12 leaders of 12 tribes that came out of the, out of the loins of Jacob who obtained a good testimony with God. The quitters, the ones that looked back, the ones who could not believe the unseen God in a moment that a natural sight communicated something else which was a lie. And so here we have good example in, in, in Numbers 13. That we all do live to him. And there is a consequence to doubt and unbelief. There is a consequence to us staggering in the past of, of the malas and the leeks and how it was in Egypt. Forgetting it was slavery there. Self-deception is the worst kind of deception that James says when you take your eyes out of the mirror of the truth of the word of God, you will be self-deceived. You'll be just a mere hearer thinking, you know it all. I heard, I heard, I heard, I've heard it all. That verse, I've heard it, I've heard it, I know it. But you've departed your gaze out of the unseen truth of the word of God. You've departed your gaze from the one that we will all give an account. Who is he? The living word. That's what Hebrews 4 tells us. That we all give an account to those eyes of his word. The discerner of the heart. So how it looks in the natural is of no consequence. Unless we choose to spectate and camp out. And when we camp out, it usually leads us into sorrow and remorse. And here, here these Israelites, by refusing to believe God, camped out. And they started onto a death march. Forty years until all of them died except for the two that bore the good testimony with the living God. Don't you tell me there is no, there is no reward for you standing up for God. Whether it's four years, four days, four minutes, or forty years. God sees the upward heart, the heart that's upward toward, upright towards God. Don't you cower in this moment just because so-and-so seems to have paused, have allowed the world to distract them. So what do we have here? The chapter 13 starts with, the Lord spoke to Moses. Is it important what the Lord would tell Moses? Does the Lord speak in vain? Does the Lord fool around and tease? No. 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 He sends forth his word. 
and it bears fruit. It never returns void. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving, underline giving, which I, the Lord, the one that led them out of Egypt, the one that they watched the ten, the ten plagues, the last one being with the firstborn's death, and that blood of the Lamb spared them. And he took them out with all the gold and silver of Egypt. Not a feeble one was found among them. And yet, they did not give thanks to him. And yet, they did not take account of that which he has done for them. So that here, here they are now, about to receive an instruction of such glory and great deliverance for that which they were taken out of Egypt to be brought into this land. They're about to walk into what happens. What happens? They did not walk into it because they chose not to believe. They chose not to believe. The traditions of man annulled the word of the living God. The traditions of moaning, complaining, groaning, grumbling against Moses formed a stronghold of unbelief. And so here we read, the Lord speaking to Moses, sent men to spy the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the children of Israel from each tribe, from each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, everyone, everyone, a leader among them. Everyone was a leader among them. That's the most grieving statement right here. These were the leaders, the ones that people looked up to. And not two out of the twelve, well, Caleb and Joshua, which the word says were of a different spirit, the spirit of faith, by which they obtained a good testimony with God. Is it important to obtain a good testimony with God? Yes, it is. Why? Because we all live to him. I'm stirred up this morning. Because this it's a choice we make every day to live by faith. To live by faith. To trust the word of God, regardless of how it feels, doesn't feel. Sometimes up, sometimes not so high. But the word of God is unchanging. The word of God is unchanging. And so they go out. They spy the land. Here we are. We're now coming to uh, right before they departed the land they just spied. In verse 24, the place was, was called the Valley of Eshkol because of the cluster which the men of Israel cut down there, the cluster of grapes. And they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. For 40 days they had a walk through. And they brought on a pole that, in verse 23, they came to the valley of Esco and there cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes. They carried it between two of them on a pole. My. They brought pomegranates and figs. And so here in 26, they depart and they come back to Moses and to Aaron. And what do they say? What do they say? They came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them. They brought back word to them. You can imagine all, all the Israelites are on their tiptoes expecting to hear the report. For 40 days they've been waiting, wanting to hear. It's our land because God said it's our land. Let's go and possess it now. What do they hear? They hear what? They've tickled their ears for what? Up until that moment, that's what they hear. You see, that which you incline your ear to is what you hear. 
Even though good report might be coming your way, but that which you've trained your ear to hear is what you hear. And if there's something that brings forth a terror in your heart in a good report, you'll hear the terror of it. When the word is bringing forth a boldness of persuasion for you to step out and conquer the land. But no, you just see fear. Why? Because you've allowed fear to talk to you. But when you know you live to God and you will give an account to God, you become a lot more selective on that which you hear. And you go to that place of the hearing of faith that comes through the word of God to bring to produce faith in your heart. So you can obtain a good testimony with God. And so they go to the congregation and to show the fruit of the land. How exciting of a moment that would have been. The marvel, the eyes so wide. Looking at the pomegranates, the figs, the cluster of grapes. Whoa, our land is a land of abundance. Then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. Yeah, yeah, we did what you said we to do. It really does flow with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, nevertheless, we can treat the things of God so casually. So casually. The Lord spoke to Moses. Sent out these 12 leaders to spy out the land I am giving to them. And they think they have a right to say nevertheless to the Lord. They think they have a right to their own little kinky opinion. They think they have a right to be moved by fear and still be pleasing to God. To tell God, you're wrong, God. God, you're wrong. I saw with my eyes. Aha, what does God respond back to them? Well, we just read in Hebrews 11.3, the worlds were created by faith. We understand that they were created. Everything that we see was created by an unseen force. The creator, he knows. He knows. Trust his knowing. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. They're too big. It's too big. The cities are fortified. Very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. They're too smart for us. They're too big for us. They have too much money. We got nothing, nothing, nothing. Forget about God. We don't know this God. Can't touch God. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountains. The Canaanites dwell by the sea and, among, and along the bank. That's not what God asked them to, to, to describe who lives there. To go spy out this land, this covenant land I've given to you, Father Abraham. It's Abraham's land. It's the land I've given to Abraham. The Jebusites, the Amorites, the Amalekites, the Canaanites, temporary dwellers. When the owner comes in, the tenant's got to go. The Caleb quieted the people, the man of faith. Say, hush, hush down. Before Moses said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the man who had gone up with him said, we're not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. Doesn't matter what you say back to God. Doesn't matter what you believe in your heart and from your heart. The mouth will speak the abundance from the heart. Does it matter? Yes, it does. Because that which you truly are persuaded by will move your mouth and then move your feet. Moving them out of the promise. Kept them 
in the wilderness. That was not God's best. Stronger than we, they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land where they had spied out, saying, the land, wow, through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. Not true. Wouldn't have been true for Israel. All the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature, God's greater. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, in our own sight, in our own sight, we're nothing. And so we were in their sight. Really? Really? That's not what we heard the woman in Jericho say. How great terror of the Israelites coming moved on them. And so, and so here we, here we are. Here we are. Let's go back to Luke 19. The triumphant entry. The hour of Israel's visitation, they could not discern again. Could not discern again what the Lord wanted to do for them. In verse 41, Jesus says, Wow. Right after he said, you know, he was told to tell the children to hush down, not to, not to cry out loudly that he is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And so what does Jesus say in verse 40? He answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Now, as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, saying, see, God is not happy with unbelief. It grieves him. He doesn't gloat over. He did not gloat over what Israelites did. Those 10 spies that brought forth the bad report. That was not a happy moment for God. That was a grieving moment. But he had a remnant. He had a remnant that chose to believe his word given to Abraham. And they did indeed walk in that land and possess the land. And so there's a remnant even now. And so Jesus said in verse 42, If you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they're hidden from your eyes. You chose not to believe me. But now they're hidden from your eyes, for days will come, Upon you, when enemies will build an embarkment around you, when God wanted to protect them, now the enemy will come and build an embarkment around them, surround you and close you in on every side and level you and your children within you to the ground. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another. Doubt and unbelief does not pay off. Does not pay off. Because you did not know the time of your visitation. And then he goes into the temple and begins to drive out the money changers. Those have traded the holy things of God for unholy mammon, money, filthy lucre. He says, it is written, my house is a house of prayer. My house is a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And then, then they tried to, instead of at that moment receiving correction, conviction, dropping to their knees in repentance. No, chapter 20, the very first verse says they confronted him. Pride and arrogance 
confronted him. And who are those that confronted him? It happened in one of those days as he taught the people in the temple and preached the gospel that the chief priests and the scribes together with elders, here we go again, the elders, the seasoned ones in the camps, the elders, the chief priests, the scribes, the ones are supposed to represent the living God. The ones are supposed to know the word of God. That quote, thus says the Lord. Those ones, here we read, they confronted him. Actually, I looked at that word, confronted him. I was so shocked. I wanted to read what that word means. In the um, Strong's, it reads, came up to him, they came up to him, and it's the word 2186, to set upon, to set up, to stand upon, to be present. It is implying an evil intent. To be at hand, to be present. So they came to him to confront him. They came to him not to hear the teaching of the good news. They came to him not to understand his way, but to confront the way. And so they said, they tried to entrap him and, and, um, by what authority do you speak? And you can read that chapter, but that, that portion, but I want to start at a chapter in verse nine in that chapter and read a few verses, the parable of the wicked vine dressers. It, it might be a bit of a different flow today, but it actually is a continuation of last week's. We don't look back. We want to be found fit for the kingdom of God. It is a forward momentum. It is an expectation of seeing him alone and not denying his lordship because we all live to him. And so here we see Jesus telling the people this parable, verse 9, A certain man planted a vineyard, leased it to vine dressers. Everything we have has been leased to us. Entrusted. For us to steward for him. We're not independent of him ever. Leased it to vine dressers and went into a far country for a long time. For a long time. And so here we he see the forgetful hearers who chose to get their gaze off of him. The return of their master. The one they have to give an account to for how they tended to this vineyard that was leased to them. It was leased to them. It wasn't theirs. It was not theirs. Don't you know your body belongs to God now? And with this body, we serve the living God. Now at vintage time, he sent a servant to the vine dressers that they might give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the vine dressers beat him and sent him away empty-handed. Again, he sent another servant, and they beat him also. Treated him shamefully and sent him away empty-handed. And again, he sent a third, and they wounded him also and cast him out. Then the owner of the vineyard said, what shall I do? I'll send my beloved son. Probably they will respect him when they see him. But when the vine dressers came, saw him, they reasoned among themselves, they reasoned among themselves, saying, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him. How hard, how hard have their hearts become? Entitlement. Failing to bring to recollection that this vineyard was leased to them. Let us kill him that the inheritance may be ours. And so they cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, 
What will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and destroy those vine dressers and give the vineyard to others. Why? Because he's looking for the harvest. There's a day of reckoning coming to all of us. And this truly is the sobriety by which I want to live every single day. And when they heard it, they said, certainly not the ones hearing this parable. He looked at them and said, what then is this that is written? The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Whoever falls on that stone will be broken. But whomever it falls, it will grind him to powder. We live to him. As a chief priest and the scribes, and the chief priest and the scribes that very hour sought to lay hands on him. Isn't that what they did? Oh, that's the sun, that's the air, let's kill him. They failed to see themselves in this corrective parable. They feared the people, but because they feared the people, they didn't lay hands on him. For they knew he'd spoken this parable against them. And this is the title comes then. Then what happens is the next level of confrontation comes. And, uh, you know, uh, we have the Pharisees coming along. Then we have the Sadducees coming along. And in verse, let's see, verse 37. You can read all of those verses for yourself. But come to verse 37. But even Moses, this is the words of Jesus talking about the resurrection. But even Moses showed in the burning bush passage that the dead are raised when he called the Lord, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. For he is not the God of the dead, but of the living. For all live to him. For all live to him. Let's go to Colossians. All live to him. Colossians 1.15 The Lord Jesus Christ here. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him we all live to him. For by him all things were created that are in heaven, that are on earth, visible and invisible, and invisible. Visible and invisible. And we read in Hebrews 11. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. God is real. God is the God of love. And in love, there is no fear. And so today's message is really not to bring us into a, a place of being scared, but into a place of reckoning of oneself that I do live before God. And I do live to Him. Back to Colossians 1. 16, for by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. 
It's to bring the awe of God in our hearts again. The reverence of the majesty of our God. And all that we have has been leased to us. And it's not inconsequential what we do with that which he's entrusted us with. All things were created through him and for him. They were created through him and for him. So can we go to keep you? I'm not done with Colossians 1. Psalm 2. Can I read Psalm 2, the beginning of Psalm 2? In case you, 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 you spectate world politics right now and a little bit of fear wants to come into your heart. No, refuse it. Refuse it. See God. See the God of love. He's got you. You live to him now. You're safe in his keeping. Psalm 2. Psalm 2, the Lord speaks. Why do the nations rage? And the people plot a vain thing. We just read in Colossians. For by him, all things were created that are in heaven, that are on earth, Visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. All will serve the purpose of God. Just like Pharaoh was fashioned to demonstrate the glory of the living God. That he is the God of Israel. And he kept hardening his heart. He was fashioned for that moment. Don't be afraid of those that speak harshly towards the children of God. Don't be afraid. They might have the power to kill the body, but God's got the power to send into eternal damnation. And we're gods. We're always safe. Don't fear man. Because here we go back to Psalm 2. Why do these nations rage? And the people plot a vain thing. It's a vain thing. But we that serve the living God never are in vain in our spirits to him. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord. They counsel against the Lord and against his anointed saying, let us break their bonds in pieces. Let's destroy them. Mm -mm. Ah, what God says, what? what? Say what? And cast away their courts from us. He, the Lord, who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. That word means taunting them. God taunts them. That word is to deride. That word is to stammer. He makes them stammer. The devil has been disarmed. Satan is defeated. Under our feet. And we have to walk in this dominion of the faith of the firstborn. Not look back, but put our hands on the plow and declare, I am a child of God. If God be for me, who can be against me? With my body, spirit, soul, and body, I serve the living God. I live to him. In verse 5 of Psalm 2, he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. Yet I have set my king on my holy hillside. God knows what he's doing. Trust the plan. Back to Colossians 1, 17. He is before all things. And in him all things consist. He is the head of the body, the church. The church of the living God is intact today. The bride of Christ will be found without 
spot nor wrinkle. Nothing amiss there will be with his bride. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. And in all things he may have, that in all things he may have preeminence. In all things that he might have preeminence. Let's go to, oh my. Let's do 2 Timothy. Hmm. I, I, I was going to verse 15 but it, I, I'm just caught here in verse 8 so let's start from 8 on remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David you have to keep your sight on the word of God. To walk upright before him in this hour. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead. According to my gospel for which I suffer trouble as an evildoer. Even to the point of chains. But the word of God is not chained. Therefore, I endure all things for the sake of the elect. This is how Paul lived. He lived to God alone. He did not live to please man. Therefore, I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The, with eternal glory with eternal glory our salvation is with eternal glory it is forever glorious this is a faithful saying for if we died with him we shall also live with him we live with him if we endure we shall also reign with him endure to the end Endure to the end. Run this race with perseverance. We shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. That's why we can't look back and go bid farewell. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He remains faithful. You know, you might look at someone's actions and they're faithless. Never mind that. God is faithful. He cannot deny himself. Verse 14, remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord not to strive about words, to no profit, to the ruin of the hearers. This is at 15. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God. Be diligent. Exercise diligence, self-discipline. Employ the gift of self-control. To present yourself a proof to God, a worker, a worker in his vineyard, faithful to the end, not forgetting that he's coming back for a reckoning of stewardship, which really he's equipped us with the Holy Spirit to enable us to steward right. Of myself, you of the old carnal self can do nothing for God. But through this new creation reality, the indwelt Holy Spirit within us, we do mighty exploits for God. And so, workers, we are now approved by God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness. Um, they will increase to more ungodliness. So let's go to second. And keeping that in mind then. Hmm. Yeah, verse 17 actually continues. And their message will spread like cancer. Hymenius and Philetus are of this sort 
who have strayed concerning the truth. Let us not stray concerning the truth today. Saying that the resurrection is already past, it's too long, it's, it's far gone. They overthrow the fate of some. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands. Having this seal, the Lord knows those who are his. The Lord knows you, you are his. And let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. This is the word of God. We depart from iniquity. Second Corinthians chapter 5. We read last week, Verse 7, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Well, now we're going to read verse 9. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, Paul writes, to be well-pleasing to him. I want to be diligent to be found approved by my master. To be well-pleasing to him. It's not automatic. We do shun iniquity. We depart that and we press. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finish of our faith. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one, each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. And I believe this is the message. It's a persuasion message. That we are well known to God. He knows the ones that are his. And I also trust are well known in your consciences. And so today we encourage one another to keep running, keep running, keep running, keep living by faith to him. Keep living unto him. Don't go confronting the word of God. But agree with the word of God and run with the word of God and see him, the faithful one. Approve you over and over and over again. Glory be to God. We're done for this day. Amen.